I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where we just need a top-up. Some more Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 17, which begins with Nux suggesting that they turn Max into a road warrior callback. And it ends with Nux slit and a captive Max speeding along through the desert with the Immortans fleet. Back again with us for another day from the Mad Max Bible YouTube page is Shem Herman. Hi, everyone. Hey, welcome back. Great to be here. So when we last left off on Monday, Nux and Slit were fighting over the steering wheel because Nux wanted to go and Slit wanted to leave him behind so that he could take that prestigious driving position. But Nux is adamant about not staying behind because, as he said, he doesn't want to die soft. And so he figures that they can just take Max along, just string him up on the Lancer's perch that's mounted to the front of the car. And I love that the thing that Max is going to be tied to serves a purpose to the vehicle outside of just tying people to it. It is specifically an alternative place for Slit to stand in order to throw things. Oh, is that so? So is there some sort of platform behind the uprights where Slit would be able to get like a sure footing? Or is it just the hood of the car? I think it's mostly the hood of the car. Okay. But when Max is attached to the front of that car, his feet are on something. So aside from the back platform on the Nux car with all of the roll bars and side handles and the thunder sticks pointing up there, you've also got thunder sticks tucked into that perch. We see when Nux and Slit are fighting the excavator later on that there are extra thunder sticks up there at the front. So Slit can climb over the top of the car, grab onto that perch, and if he wants to hang out the front and I'm assuming throw to the side of the car or something like that, he would be able to swing around that post, stand on the front of the car, and have more thundersticks right then and there so that he can grab them, throw them. The places that they find to put thundersticks on these cars can get pretty creative, and I love the design of them. This whole thing just sounds like a huge wasteland circus act. Like, you have this... (laughs) This car, he's just jumping around on it like it's a jungle gym. Dude. <laughs> but yeah, but I, you know what? I actually didn't think that this would be a platform for Slit to start throwing those thunder sticks because it kind of looked to me like a callback to Humongous' vehicle. Mm-hmm. I think everybody thought that when they first saw it. Like, oh, hey, there's only one person on the front of the car, but hey, Max is tied up there just like the two compound scouts that got sent out and got captured. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, I totally bought it that there was a place that some drivers and Lancers would set up on the front of the car specifically to put people on there in a captive scenario. Not necessarily blood bags, but more like Lord Humongous's crew where it was more of a trophy. Mm-hmm. Like, look who I've got. You know what? I'm going to have to look at one of my folders with all the pictures from the production of the vehicle and i also have some concept art which would actually explain what that thing is for because i remember seeing this image where it was actually written down in detail what everything is for on that car but 
damn, I mean, I cannot find it right now. I can't remember if this is, maybe it's in, in concept art, but whatever. But despite the fact you cannot really tell what the front of this car is for, except for, you know, we can strap somebody to it, maybe Slit can stand on it. I mean, there were some positions, different positions for Slit on this car. There is an image of this car with a side basket that you can sit in. Yeah, that's one of the earlier designs. So I think they were playing around with this idea that this car could have different places where Slit would just jump on and attack. But I have this black and white concept art from 2001, and it says this whole thing, the whole front of the car, it's described as blood bag support. Hmm. There's that. And there's also the side uh, something, like a side uh, seat that's outside of the car. Interesting. So I pulled out my art book so that I can get a couple of nice high-res shots of the Nux car. And so the picture that I'm looking at is a shot from Nux and Slit engaging the buzzards. And you can see that there is just a steel plate about the size of two feet that Max is standing on. And I like the idea that Nux calls it the Lancer's Perch because it makes me think that Nux is exhibiting some sort of outside-of-the-box thinking that normally they wouldn't think to string somebody up on the front of the vehicle. This is just him thinking on the fly, okay, if we try this, then I can make it work, and he's being clever, and I like that. I do appreciate that he has the ability to be clever, because it sets us up for the rest of the movie. Nux, in this position of being a driver in Immortan Joe's army, isn't it for him. He has more to do outside of this one scenario. So learning that he is clever and also willing to put himself out there in an unusual way that leads us to what he spends the rest of the movie doing. Thinking on to later instances in the movie, Nux does this a lot. He comes up with ideas like, okay, let's strap Max to the front of the car. Let's use that growing thing in the distance to pull the war rig out of the mud let's detach some brake cables in order to slow down the rig and also uh let's bring the blood back to the back so that he can have counterweight exactly and on top of it all i mean he knows how to fix engines so he's the first one to actually jump in and start fixing the war rig on the fly Mm -hmm. so yeah he's a clever dude yeah and he's also a valuable asset to both Immortan Joe and to Max as they continue on the journey. And Immortan Joe has no idea that he has somebody like this. To Immortan Joe, he's just another war boy who is expendable. And expanding on the idea that Immortan Joe doesn't value Nux as much as he could, Nux has, oh, performance anxiety at times. <laughs> he gets really starstruck around Joe. So there's that one instance where Joe tasks him very specifically with getting on the tanker and taking out Furiosa, and Nux doesn't perform at top efficiency. He pratfalls a little bit, so that's coming on down the line. Yeah. We'll see on Friday specifically just how (laughs) starstruck and subsequently foolhardy he can get when Immortan Joe is involved, because he looks at Immortan Joe the exact way that Immortan Joe wants to be looked at. Yes, he does. Now, Slit, here's this idea. Let's put Max on the Lancer's perch. And aside from the fact that, oh, you want to take some of my real estate away, that probably has nothing to do with it. Because Slit fires back with, hey, this guy, he's in a muzzle. He's raging feral. He's not a safe guy that you can just drag around. But Nux is like, oh, yeah, that's a good thing. That's an asset. If he's insane, he's got crazy blood. 
And that crazy blood is just going to help me perform better. Because science? <laughs> well, <laughs> he's definitely exhibiting more cleverness. He's turning this very reasonable argument that Slit has around on Slit saying, you know, high octane crazy blood filling me up and then uses that to launch right into a nice solid headbutt. Mm -hmm. Even before that, you can tell that craziness is something of value in that world. When they're attaching this pod to the war rig, you can actually hear him scream, come a crazy war boys. Mm -hmm. They love it. They love to be insane in a way. So sure, I mean, if you can tell Slit that if you're going to get hooked up to this guy who's actually insane, then you're going to be insane as well. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Yeah, let's go. It's the marrying of the idea of honorable self-sacrifice in battle with high energy insanity in the face of overwhelming odds. And also, even before he headbutts it, I mean, there's some really interesting editing choices in this scene, starting with this really bad ADR that's happening in the background. If you look, I mean, the... Voices just really barely match the intensity of, you know, with which they're actually talking. The headbutt itself, have you noticed the flash, this white flash? Mm -hmm. Which is in itself another Road Warrior reference. Exactly. That's exactly yep. it. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page there. Yeah. One thing that I like in this scene over the whole course of Monday's minute and this minute is Max's reaction shots to what's happening around him. He tries not to be too expressive as he's overhearing some things, but just with the way that he darts his eyes around at times, you can tell that, especially when the suggestion is we take my blood bag and strap it to the Lancer's perch, we see Max, his face, in almost a question of you're going to do who what now with me where? <laughs> <laughs> Hanging upside down is bad enough, yeah. but he's seen firsthand what happens when you get strapped to the front of a vehicle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why Tom Hardy got the job. I mean, he doesn't even move. I mean, his face is covered. He plays with his eyes. Just, he acts with his eyes, not plays with them. He, he, he <laughs> so, you know, you can definitely tell that, yeah, it's just, just this look of confusion. Like, what the hell are they trying to do? Trying to strap me in front of a car? And then when you actually see him on the front of the car, oh, it's just, it's just like you got to look at his face. It's just it's tremendous. But I think it's, we're actually going to see that in the next minute, not in this one. So Nux headbutts slit. He shows his Lancer that not only can he stand and drive, but he can also utilize that crazy high octane blood that's filling him up. And he knocks Slit all the way down. And as Nux is standing over Slit, he looks him dead in the face and he says, if I'm going to die, and I love how we get this little cutaway to Slit lying on the ground, looking up at Nux and he continues. He said, I'm going to die historic on the Fury Road. He said, I'm not dying here soft. I'm going out on that road and if it's my time, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Right. This is also probably the closest thing we get to a roll credits moment, because I don't think we're ever going to find a situation where someone says Mad Max Fury Road. So what do you think this Fury Road is like to them? Is it like met metaphorical or is it an actual name of the road? Hmm. That's a good question. It never occurred to me that it might actually be the name of a road. I mean, I, I have an answer to this, but I'm actually I'm really curious what you think. I mean, I always assumed it was metaphorical, you know, the road to Valhalla type yeah. thing. And Rick, but, what do you think? I'm not going to sit here and rule out the possibility that the Fury Road is just the stretch of packed earth between here and Gastown or that road and wherever. But I'm definitely more on the side of the Fury Road being more of a metaphorical thing. Like anytime you're out 
in your vehicle, you're on the fury road because you're channeling that fury and energy into the service of the Immortan. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I, what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. But on top of it all, I mean, the name of that road, that road actually had a name at one point, and the name was Furioso. And this was a name that was always in the movie. I mean, it was always there, but they didn't know what to do with it. And it sort of ended up landing on the name of, uh, you know, the character Furiosa. Mm -hmm. So Fury Road ended up to me just being this metaphorical battleground, you know, or battlefield or whatever, a place where you get to die, you get to kill someone. I don't know. It's purely metaphorical at this point to me, but it did have a name, like a proper one. Yeah, I like the idea of the phrase Fury Road referring to a battleground of sorts. The idea that if you're going out in a patrol to find vehicles belonging to road warriors and wastelanders, you're going out on the Fury Road. If you're heading out in this situation, following the Immortan on a warpath, you're going out on the Fury Road. The idea that the road represents your path to Valhalla. Yeah, road to Valhalla. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they could have gotten away with Mad Max Valhalla Road. No. <laughs> That's a bit... Uh, That'd yeah. be a little tricky to fit on a marquee. It's a little clunky. Yeah. <laughs> Too many syllables. Fury Road works so well because it is so quick. I mean, Valhalla is only three syllables, but I think it's the L's. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue really well. It's like yeah. Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, if they had released Mad Max Fury Road around Christmas time and called it Valhalla Road, they could have advertised it by its Valhalla la 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 <laughs> road. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe some digitally inserted snowflakes falling over the uh, commercials with jingle bells. Yeah, and give everyone you know Santa's hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I am so glad they don't put us in charge of advertising for these movies. <laughs> hey kids, look at this new movie where everyone's dying <laughs> in cars, but it's Christmas, so it's fine. Slit leaps up from the ground after being told all of this about the Fury Road, and he gets right up in Nux's face, and he seems to be challenging. Like, they're nose-to-nose, -nose, but Nux does not back down. And the corners of Slit's mouth, they start to curl up, and he starts to see that Nux is serious, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he calls for the organic mechanic, and he's like, oh yeah, hitch up the blood bag. <laughs> well, something I noticed about this face-off is that they are now standing eye to eye this is the first time that nux has stood up straight and slit pointed out if you can't stand up you can't go do war well nux is standing up now mm -hmm. he's no longer in this half crouch because he can't support his own body weight he's more than capable of headbutting uh slit too mm -hmm. and i'm thinking that it wasn't the first time he headbutted somebody because he's got a broken nose <laughs> then again if you look at slit I don't think you've discussed Slit on previous minutes, but... We haven't. Okay, so Slit, he's such an interesting character. We get a close-up of his face, too. And he's got those metal stitches in it. And his face is just carved, kind of like the Joker. And I was uh, researching this uh, today because I was trying to figure out what the hell happened to him. I mean, it could have been that, you know, maybe Organic Mechanic was practicing on him or something. I don't know. But turns out... Uh, he actually does that to himself. At least that's what I read. He opens up all those wounds and stitches them up. Again, I'm not sure what the logic behind it is. In the game, there is a character who does a similar thing. They put those metal plates in their head just to numb the pain because the 
character is just in pain constantly and it's just sort of like distracting. So maybe that would be the reasoning for that. But then again, you know, I, it's really difficult to tell. I wish I had the source for that, but except for the Mad Max Wikipedia, which was from there. And there was a source for that, but it's missing now. So I'm pissed off about that. But mm. it's a really interesting uh, concept that this guy, he like really likes to cut himself up and put himself back together. Well, I mean, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah. And so <laughs> they exist in this cult of the V8, which we have seen so far takes lots of little nuggets from religions that we know from around the world, all over the place, they take nuggets. There are religions that practice self-emulation, and that's what he may be doing here. Right. Maybe he disregards his own body so much. Did you say self-immolation? Emulation. Emulation. Okay. It's when you hurt yourself, right? I used the right word, right? You said emolation, and I heard immolation, which is setting yourself on fire. And I was like, wait, 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 what? And then like, no, no, no. You said emo, not emo. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Slight difference there, Rick. Yeah, so he may be doing himself harm, possibly in atonement for perceived sins, to show that he regards a higher purpose more than he regards his own body, that he recognizes that this existence is temporary and that he is awaiting what comes next. All sorts of reasons for religious behavior like this. See, I just thought he got caught by a blade as he was fighting buzzards or something like that, that they slashed him across his face and he just got clamped together again. Or it was some sort of Joker reference, considering that George Miller wanted Heath Ledger to be Max at one point. That's an interesting angle. Perhaps. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying there's a possibility. I'm not saying my theory is right either because goddamn resources. I mean, I don't have them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's an interesting thing. So you brought up the Joker. Well, the Joker, if I remember correctly, his slits were from his father or his mother. Well, see, that's the thing. He tells different stories throughout that movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. He just changes this. Yeah. It's always different. So one version of the story is that it was done to him. Mm -hmm. That's a possibility here, too. That it was done to him yeah. as punishment, as Shem, like you said, maybe experimentation on the part of the organic mechanic. Uh, well, you know, I just said it more like a joke, but who knows? I mean, organic mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got a lot of uh, meat to work with. So, yeah, it might not have been just experimentation on the part of the organic mechanic. It could have been to remove tumors. Maybe. Maybe he had tumors like in his upper jaw. Like a mouth cancer sort of situation. Yeah. And instead of just going in through the mouth, the organic mechanic was like, oh, well, just cut the cheek open, pull it all back, and I can reach it. We're dealing with a post-apocalyptic situation where time is of the essence when it comes to surgery, and pain is just part of life, I guess. Right. <laughs> it's like Furiosa says, like, everything out there hurts. Mm-hmm. So. so pick up what you can and run. <laughs> Now, getting back to the headbutt and the fact that we're seeing Slit and Nux eye to eye, it seems like a good place to mention that Slit was played by Josh Hellman. He was born February 22nd, 1986 in Adelaide, South Australia. He is six foot two, which makes him one inch shorter than Nicholas Holt, who is six three. So they're both pretty tall guys, especially when you consider Tom Hardy is under six feet. All right. Hellman is best known, according to IMDb, for his role in Mad Max Fury Road. Also, X-Men Days of Future Past in 2014, where he played Major 
Bill Stryker. He was in 2012's Jack Reacher, where he played a guy named Jeb. And he also returned to X-Men Apocalypse in 2016 as Colonel William Stryker. So between the second and third X-Men first class movies, he got a promotion from Colonel to Major. And he stopped calling himself Bill and started going with William. I wonder if he promoted himself. Possibly. I haven't watched Apocalypse, so I don't know the exact surroundings. Hellman started acting when he got a recurring role on the Australian television show Home and Away in 2007. He played a character called Denny Matland. He then got a small role in a short film called Aiden's View, where he played the role of an intruder trying to break into the house of the protagonist. A few years later, he was cast as Corporal Lou Chuckler Jurgens in the American television show The Pacific. He appeared in six episodes. He was then signed by the American talent agency, the Gersh Agency, and he made his major studio motion picture debut in 2012 when he was cast as Jeb Oliver in Jack Reacher. He returned to Australia and was then cast in Blinder, which is a film based on Australian rules football drama. He co-starred in the ensemble Marvel Comics film X-Men Days of Future Past as William Stryker, shown through footage to be the younger 1973 version of the Stryker played by Brian Cox in X2, which happened in 2003. He later played Slit alongside two-time fellow X-Men actor Nicholas Holt in the Mad Max sequel Mad Max Fury Road, and in 2016 he had a main role in season two of the television series Wayward Pines, a psychological thriller by M. Night Shyamalan. He has a few projects in post-production, and at the time of this recording, he's apparently working on a movie called Monster Hunter, which is based on the video game by Capcom. They're making a Monster Hunter movie? I know, it seems like a very foolhardy decision, doesn't it? Most likely. Yeah. Because video game movies are very seldom good. Yeah. If passable. Yeah. Well, we can always hold out hope that they learn from the mistakes of the past and do it better. Because it can be done well. Laura Croft movies were good, right? Right? No. <laughs> you liked them. Yeah. Um, how many of them were there? Like, you're talking about the ones with two. Angelina Jolie because there were some new uh, Tomb Raider movie, wasn't it? Yeah, there were two with Angelina Jolie, one that was based on the rebooted series with a different actress. Oh, okay. Well, I I think I preferred the rebooted video game. Uh, <laughs> it just works better, I guess. So getting back into the minute, Slit tells the organic mechanic to tie Max on to the front of the bag, hitch him up, and the organic mechanic's like, righto! And we get one final reaction shot from Max before we cut outside to the fleet on the move oh this shot of the fleet that is oh that's my jam like i'm looking at this picture waiting for you to start talking about this shot it's like i can <laughs> take, i can take over your podcast just go away go do something i'll be talking about the cars each and every one of them okay well maybe we should talk about tom hardy hanging upside down is there anything to say about his look or the only thing that i noticed about him hanging upside down before we leave the blood bank is that i like the continuity i guess of they did his tattooed medical records upside down because they hang their blood bags upside down so now it's right side up yeah yeah i enjoyed that little tiny bit of continuity okay so onto the cars then all right yeah let's go outside. <laughs> go for it <laughs> okay Rick, you better start i just want to say quick observation i really like in the background as we start this shot you can see the long trailer that typically carries cars between dealerships and they've just covered it in war boys yeah. yeah as some sort of like 
troop carrier. I really like the way they've done that. Instead of loading up the cars, they just load up the war boys. And I also really like how we get a good look at Razor Cola in motion. There's also the fact that the first truck that we see, it's on the left. This isn't actually a truck that was supposed to be used in the movie. This is a truck that was hauling the tankers from the war rigs all across the set. So they just basically painted it black, uh, got some, you know, <laughs> yeah. war boys on, on top of it. And there's likely it's really it's not modified. You can even actually see it uh, behind the scenes that it's actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. But I guess they just needed a whole lot of cars for that scene. So they just put a put it in there. And to the right of it, there is this black car. And this, this is a really cool story about this car, because this car, this is a Holden Monaro, if I remember correctly. This car is supposed to be on a lease from Gastown. Basically, Citadel just borrowed it from Gastown. And the funny thing is about it is that those war boys on this car are so trigger happy with this flamethrower, and it later plays into the movie because they don't know how to use it. That's what I heard. <laughs> from, I think Colin Gibson. I don't know. But, but the, the thing about him is that they're so happy that they can just shoot those flames and they shoot him all the time. And then you actually see them later um, attacking the war, uh, the war rig. And they are so dumb <laughs> that they actually set themselves on fire. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, you know, and later this, this, this whole scene sort of pans so we can actually see the Razor Cola, which is like, you know, the money shot, I guess, of this whole sequence. Yep. To a certain extent, I guess. I mean, there's a whole lot of other stuff happening. But the way they just modified this car is just so cool. Like the dual superchargers with a skull on them. Mm -hmm. wow. And the flames just coming out of the pipes. Wow. Now, I have mixed feelings about Razor Cola because as much as I love the black on black, as much as I love the design of the Interceptor, I can't help but feel that the War Boys have taken what was already an amazing vehicle. And I might be making enemies, but I feel like they've only made it better. Uh, I mean, it's most definitely better suited for the environment. Yeah. It's lifted. It's more powerful. That's cool. The problem I have is it doesn't have a windshield because, mm -hmm. you know, sandstorms and stuff like that. But it's not a home anymore. It's not a home for Max. It's not this piece of crap that's just falling apart. It's strictly utilitarian. Mm. You don't even have a dashboard, dashboard in it. I don't know if you've seen the uh, inside pictures. I mean, pictures from the inside of this car. They just changed everything. It's just like bare metal everywhere. Oh, and also the cool thing about this car is that at a certain point, it was half black as if it wasn't finished. Oh. Yeah, it was kind of like pitch black like the other cars that you can see in the background. It had this weird teeth, kind of like a design, kind of like angled, tri triangle, whatever. You know, it was just like it felt unfinished. Mm -hmm. Well, the angled teeth design was something that I remember seeing specifically from the old Necro Boys sketches oh, yeah. that the shark teeth painted on the face was going to be a motif. The idea that they're taking the old shark teeth from the World War II fighter planes and adapting that onto their faces. That's definitely something. Maybe that was a leftover thing. But the picture of this card that looked like that came from, I think, 2000. And uh, that was before they shipped those cars to Namibia. Mm. 2008, maybe something like that. That was a 2010, something like that. Because that's, you know, when. Um, those cars, those designs were still developing. And uh, at a certain point, they just figured, yeah, you have to do some glamour shots of those cars. And they sent them to, who was it? I forgot the name of the photographer, but he basically set up this whole session of all the Mad Max cars in that previous state. And it's a really, it's a gold mine. You know, I mean, if, you, if you're really into it and you can, you can actually find out a whole lot about how this whole thing evolved and why those cars are just like ground to bare metal now. Back then they weren't. They had collars. Even some of them had like shiny 
paint jobs and stuff. So again, it's, it's an evolution, you know? Mm-hmm. It always is with those high movies, but especially when it takes like, what, 17 years to make them. So Yeah, plenty of time for things to change and evolve. So what other cars are we seeing here that are worth mentioning? The background, there's the Eldorado, which is a funny car because it has seats mounted backwards. And there's a whole lot of war boys in it. And this is, um, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I think this car is a Citadel, Citadel car. It's got really cool engravings on the hood that were basically carved in uh, this black pitch. This whole car is covered in it. That's pretty much all we see. Those are, those are all the cars that we see. Oh, then the car, the car carrier in the back, it makes an appearance, obviously, later on. And uh, there's a cool story, actually, about the car carrier. Some cars that were not supposed to be in the movie ended up on this car carrier. Mm-hmm. I mean, some cars were just so so dangerous to drive that they just <laughs> couldn't put them in the movie. Uh, there's this <laughs> one car that was called the Giggle Horse, which was supposed to be a companion car to the Giga Horse. The Giggle Horse, it was basically something, something like uh, the Nux car. Basically, it was on the, based on the shell of the Nux car that wasn't used. And they put it on some weird buggy chassis and or whatever. And the, the engine on it was installed backwards. So this whole thing was so dangerous to drive that they just decided, no, we, we cannot drive this. And so they only used the shell of that car on the car carrier. You can actually see it in a few shots. So, you know, later on, this, this whole uh, car carrier, uh, is there's no wall boys on it anymore uh, because, you know, I don't know. I mean, they killed off. I don't know. I don't know what happened to them, but they're not there anymore. There's just cars. <laughs> okay. And then the next shot, you know, we can actually see, uh, you know, Max and you can actually see Nux's car a little bit, a bit of it. Yep. What I like about this shot, it's not the absolute last shot of the minute. It's the second to last shot, but you can tell that Max is saying something to himself and you can hear part of it because of the ADR that they do. But what he's saying is that how much more can they take from me? They've got my blood. Now it's my car. Right. Um, but have you tried to like uh, read from his lips what he's trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> That's taken straight from the subtitles. Oh, okay. But I mean, if you mute the movie and you look at his lips, you'll definitely notice that he says, That's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a look it up. He says, That's some bullshit. I don't know what he says before that because it's kind of difficult mm-hmm. because it sort of cuts in like abruptly. But yeah, the whole ADR thing, oh man, this just, uh, this rubs me the wrong way with this movie. Like, how could you like, <laughs> could you CGI his mouth to match what he's saying at least? I don't know. <laughs> Do something. It's like, uh, anyway, so yeah, they took his blood, they car, the, his car, and he's uh, very, very pissed off about it. And from one angle, there isn't really much more that they could take from him. Yeah. Because that car was his whole world. Yeah. His whole reason for being. Which he later points out while shooting at Slit. <laughs> I love that moment where he points out and he's like, that's mine. Yeah. As if he's going <laughs> to jump out of Warwick and take it. Like, <laughs> what are you angry about? Just let it go. <laughs> you have the Warwick. So we're tracking past Max as he's complaining and we get to see the chain. We follow the chain over and it's going through a little hole in Nux's door and then down into this sort of manacled setup that he has so max's blood tube is being held in place because it's attached to the muzzle and then runs through the chain and then nux's needle is held in place by this manacle specifically right i mean the whole shot of the camera it's just following the chain like you know are you are you looking at this right now because i'm just like rewinding this shot over and over it's a brilliant shot where you see you know it comes from max onto the chain down and up to nux yeah and they've done a pretty good job of weaving the tube through the chain links. Like, it's pretty secure. Oh, yeah. Anywhere that chain goes, the tube is going to go too. 
Right, right. And then there's uh, Slit at the end, uh, just standing there. Like, he looks really proud. Yeah, for somebody who just insisted upon a promotion to driver, he does seem awfully proud to be standing in the Lancer's position. Mm -hmm. Guess yeah. it's not so bad back there after all. I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to get a chance to do what he does best, and that's throw sticks with explosives tied to the end of them. And if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life, is what they say. Well, he's not going to have a long life then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nux puts the hammer down and he really starts speeding up and we get to see these flames erupting from the exhaust as we come up behind the doof wagon. And at this point, we're still seeing the same stuff that we saw before. The guys on the drums banging out the rhythm for everybody to hear because you can't shout instructions to cars. So you've got to convey that information via music. But the minute cuts off before we can get to see the front of the doof wagon so we're gonna have to be satisfied with this for now and we'll be coming back on friday to see more of it as for friday we'll get to see one of the most awesome shots in this movie as we roll around to the front of the doof wagon uh, we'll see the doof warrior for the first time and uh, while i'm at it doof doof and duff just to really needle some people that hate the way i pronounce things but more importantly, we'll get to see Nux and Slit take the lead on this charge and perhaps even get a shred of recognition from the Immortan himself. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit madmaxminute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 17 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.